0: Commanders, Ravens, Monday Night Football, FedEx Field, 8 p.m., ESPN. We've got your game preview right now with the boys from the Believe in Ravens. Let's go. All right, greetings and salutations. Welcome to this special edition of a game preview of Ref the District on the Believe Network. And I'm super excited to have join us today for this preview from the Believe in Ravens show, it is Kyrie Thompson and Daniel Wilcox. Appreciate you guys.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having us on, Stoner. We're super excited to be here, man. Can't wait to represent the Believe in Ravens side of this thing, man. And um, it's always good to have the battle of the Beltways, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> Kyrie. I'm gonna go to you first. I'm gonna ask right. you kind of some generic questions here first, but the big story from the outside, anyway, over the off season was, of course getting lamar signed to the big contract what did that mean to the organization to finally get that done get it settled out of the way so they could move forward
2: to me it says what i think a lot of us around around football tend to believe is is that the baltimore ravens are among the best organizations out there and yes there there was some hardball being played and and some gamesmanship and there's this whole oh you know lamar you need to stay healthy his style of play etc etc and they said. This guy's an MVP level quarterback, and we're going to pay him like one. Mm. They got they got it done, they got it out of the way before it became a major distraction coming into the season. And and that, that is that's crucial because then that lets you go into this year and say to yourself, you know what? We are we are all in, we are going to put things around Lamar Jackson. That help him be the best that he can be. They drafted Zay Flowers in the first round. Mm. They brought in Odell Beckham Jr. Mm. to help to, to help give them, I think, one of the better Kucherov uh, of weapons that they've had in, in quite a long time. Wilcox oh, yeah. would tell you ever that that he's seen around the Ravens. And so I think what what it did was say, you know what, we believe in you. We believe in the kind of player that you are. We believe that you are going to take us to the next level. And then, of course, we can't forget talking about Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator, and what he could do for Lamar Jackson as a passer. And really, I think the potential for this Ravens offense is going to be just wildly exciting.
0: Yeah. From the outside looking in, that's much scarier than it has been. I'm glad you guys are over in the AFC and we don't have to deal with you until we meet you in the Super Bowl, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Um, uh, and Wilcox, I want to kind of keep on the uh, the quarterback uh, line here. And you played, what, eight years in the NFL? And-
1: I played nine seasons total, but eight years, correct.
0: Yeah. And, and uh, six with the Ravens. Is that right? That's correct. Well, five with the
1: Ravens and one in NFL Europe and then two, one with Tampa Bay and two with the Jets.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So that's that's a long time, uh, you know, professional career. Sticking with the quarterback theme here, what does it mean uh, to know that a team has a guy? We haven't had that here in a long time in Washington. What does it mean (laughs) for as a player to have a guy that you know year in and year out that that's going to be your guy?
1: It's huge. It's like having an OC for a long time as well. And the head coach, you know, it just takes away all those worries. Um, As a receiver, you get comfortable with your quarterback and you protect your quarterback. And, and it's a good feeling to know who you're going to get the ball thrown to you from, you know, year in and year out. And you get comfortable with that guy. You, you know, you spend time with him in off season, you know, Mm -hmm. practicing on timing and running your routes. So that he understands the way that you think, and you understand the way that he thinks, and it gives you an opportunity to build some serious chemistry. And um, I, I think signing Lamar, to a long-term deal that he's going to be a Raven pretty much for life, that signifies that he's there. And that gives him a sense of comfortability for him and his family as well. One of the things I remember the most, you know, about being a player is I just got tired of packing my bags and living out of my suitcase. Oh yeah. You know, especially being an undrafted free agent like I was my first three or four years, I bounced around a lot. And then my first two years in Baltimore, I was on a one-year deal each year. And then they decided to give me a three-year deal at the end. And that kind of gave me that woosah moment where you get a chance to just kind of, breathe deep like Mm. (sighs) thank god you know i get a chance to relax for two or three years at least i don't have to worry about packing my bags up next year to leave i I think bringing lamar back and signing him the way that they did it it put a stamp on on everything told everybody to shut up and and, all right we got the guy that we wanted and we're serious about him and we told you from jump street we were serious about him even though it didn't look like it for a while you know the way these things work out in the offseason with all these contract negotiations you have to play your cards, you know, right. You got to play them correctly. And obviously, the Ravens did a phenomenal job of playing theirs. And I even doubted them for a second. I was scratching yeah, my head saying, like, what are we doing? You know, right. like, come on, man. We should have signed this kid three years ago after sure. the MVP year. Why do we wait till he now he's worth freaking 200 and some million to try to sign him? We could have probably got him, you know, cheaper, a lot cheaper back then. But, I mean, I'm, I'm super proud that we got Lamar. I think everybody on that team is extremely happy that he's in Baltimore. And mm. he's
0: he's the energy that keeps everybody afloat. You know, the defense going and the offense going. Yep, and, and you mentioned chemistry. Also, do you, what do you think is more important? Do you think chemistry or just talent? Um, I, I, I'm gonna
1: be 100, 100%. percent. I'm going off record. I don't care about politics, none of that stuff. Chemistry is the most important thing hmm. in any sport. Okay? I'm
0: surprised you went with now, that. Okay. Well,
1: having having talent. Now, understand in this league, Stoner, that every single team is loaded with talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every player in this league yep. was all American, all county, all state. You know, they might not have been ranked five stars or four stars or three stars, but they blew their teams away, you know, on every single level they played on. So by the time they get to the NFL, every last one of these guys are talented. Yeah. Every team is full of talent, it's the chemistry. And just the understanding between the players and the coaches and the players amongst each other in the locker room is what really catapult them guys to greatness because they'll, yeah. they'll put everything on the line to protect each other.
2: And you know, Actually, what? I think that's the interesting thing because we've, we've talked about this on believe in Ravens before, right? When everybody has talent, yeah, sure. There are going to be some teams that are just, there are cut above, right? There are going to be some players that are just better than you and, and they'll, they'll beat you on a given play. They'll beat you in a given game, but mm-hmm. in a league where, I mean, people say every given Sunday for a reason, okay? because everybody is talented. And then when everybody is that talented, the margin for error becomes razor thin. So what does it come down to? It comes down to discipline, not beating yourself, not making mistakes, playing together. And so I feel like there's a reason that coaches and, and, and teams look for guys that fit their culture. Right. That, that's a reason culture becomes important, because when you've got Bill Belichick over with the New England Patriots said something to that effect when asked about Devin McCourty you know, not being here, he's retired now. And, and what do you do when your longtime leader on defense is no longer here? Well, as long as we're on the same page, we'll all be fine. And even if we're all wrong, we'll all be wrong together. Mm, and right. I think that that's ultimately it. If whatever happens, you go down together. And when you're like that as a team, that that is another one of those little things, along with discipline and 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 just doing your job and being fundamentals that that can help give you a lift when the margins for error are that razor thin.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well said. Uh, and w- Will Cox, let me ask you this: I'm gonna, I'm going to throw a couple of names out here at you, and then you tell me uh, what you think about this. Okay, you got Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley, Josh Johnson, Anthony Brown. T. Martin and Kenny Dixon. What do they all have in common? They're all athletic
1: quarterbacks, and they're all,
0: right. all brothers. They're
2: all,
0: they're all they're all black quarterbacks, yeah. and uh, of course, T. Martin is the is the uh, quarterbacks coach, and coach. Kenny Dixon is the assistant quarterbacks coach. Mm-hmm. Six guys in that quarterback room, all African American. What does that mean to you uh, to see that on the Ravens? Man, it, it makes me proud. I
1: mean, I, I can't
0: even tell you enough,
1: like how ecstatic I am about the the changing culture just as as a whole in the quarterback room. Mm. You know, um, I, I remember being a Raven for five seasons. All five seasons, I had a different offensive coordinator. Oh wow! Um, all five seasons, I had to learn a new offense every single year, and um, my quarterback was the only thing that was consistent. I had. I remember I had Kyle Bowler for most of my career. And we had Cordell Stewart as a backup. We had Troy Smith as a backup. And then Joe Flacco came in my last season, played one year with him. But the year that everything changed for me, the best quarterback I ever played with in my career was Steve McNair. Mm-hmm. When he came to Baltimore from Tennessee that year, it gave us hope. It gave us drive. It gave us energy. It gave us a new felt sense of um, of greatness. You know, we felt like we already felt like we had a really good offensive staff and already get a really good offensive team. But we just were missing that one element. There's no it's no knock on Kyle Bowler at all because Cal Bowler had all the intangibles to be a great quarterback in his league. He just was missing one element. And that, to me, the element was pocket awareness. He had mm-hmm. no pocket awareness at all. So he had no sense of time when to get rid of the ball. He would have the most ridiculous sacks that you've ever seen mm-hmm. recorded when he got hit. And he would fumble the ball sometimes in bad situations because he was jittery. At times, you know, which comes with not having any pocket awareness. But then you bring somebody in like Steve McNair. and He's mobile. He's a veteran. His pocket awareness was on 10. And he was able to extend plays for us and get us in positions, you know, to win games. And we never felt like we could lose when we had him at at the quarterback spot. Um, And I always felt like, you know, just having a mobile quarterback was important. And I remember growing up watching Doug Flutie. So it's not like it's just a black quarterback thing. Yeah, right. Sure. You know, um, I remember watching him. I remember watching Steve Young. He used to take all the get all concussions back in the day with San Fran. I love mm-hmm. Steve Young. And um, and I was really proud to have Steve McNair come into the room and give us that uplift. I think that year we won, you know, the year before, I think we was maybe four and 12 or something. It was some dumb and stupid with the best team on paper that you have ever seen. Deion Sanders, the whole crew, we was loaded with people. And um, then Steve McNair comes in the next year and it flips like from four to 12 to 12 and four. Mm. And we almost go to a Super 13, Bowl. And
2: it's 13, 13 and three, 13
1: and three. Yeah. See, so I mean, it was it was it was ridiculously crazy. And I think if we hadn't had that first round by that year, you know, we literally go on to a Super Bowl that year. That first round by kind of took off, took us off our rhythm. We came mm. back a little bit, you know, wobbly and we wasn't the same team before we had to buy you know, and we end up losing that game to the Colts and nobody scored a touchdown because our defense was that sick. Mm. And we are, we we missed a field goal or two that year, that game. And I don't know, we'll get off track off topic. But what I'm saying is I, I love the fact that there's a team that's willing to 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 break all those barriers, especially with all the coaching stuff that was going on two years ago with the guy from Miami suing the NFL because um mm. because of the whole, you know, the 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 rule, the, what does he call it? The, the Rooney rule? The Rooney rule. You know, they're mm-hmm. supposed to bring the guys in and do all this stuff to try to make things fair. And quarterback has always been a white position. Everybody knows that. Sure. There's no secret in that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's always been a white um, position and it's been held secret for a long time. So for the Ravens to entrust that room with six black guys, I think that says a lot about the organization. And I love Steve Bishotti. I think he's the best owner in the NFL. So, whoop, Steve. Right.
0: Tyra, you want to add something to that?
2: Well, I mean, I think that the intentionality of it is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, be, because you got to model, I guess, what what you want to see, and having Lamar Jackson, who is something just unique in the history of this of this league. Like there are just very few, if any, quarterbacks that have really been quite like him. And then you build that little community in in your quarterback room, and you know. you know what wilcox is talking about too with steve mcnair and you ask a lot of defensive players what what's tougher right a guy who's going to sit there and pick you back you know pick you apart in the pocket which obviously is really tough but guys that can also extend the play it's like there's a reason that like you know people got a little outraged about this but i look at somebody like justin fields right getting on the top 100 list in the nfl even though like his his passing yards are like nothing to write home about but what does he do he he terrifies people with his legs Mm. just absolutely puts the fear of god in you playing quarterback that way and that's a a style of play that is simply not been accepted thoroughly and still isn't fully accepted now in the mm-hmm. league especially when it's done by black quarterbacks because there's the stigma about you know can he throw the ball like can you come from behind and, and win with him and, and it's funny because you hear that stuff about lamar and it's like have you seen what this mm-hmm. dude looks like when when they're behind at the end of games you have seen the mode that he gets into he's he's yeah. insane he's a cheat code and so yeah. I, I i think that it's it's marvelous to to see you know, this community being built with black quarterbacks in, in college and in the league and seeing them get opportunities and not just opportunities to start, but opportunities to, to, to be mentors, to be in the league for a long time. Look at Josh Johnson. He's 37 years old, he's been like more than like, like about half the teams in the league. But he keeps getting opportunities because they know that he's smart and they know that he's a good locker room guy. So yeah. for me, I'm all for that. And having coaches on that side of the ball that are going to have opportunities to potentially be offensive coordinators and head coaches themselves, which is something that's sorely lacking in terms of black coaches in the league.
1: Yeah. Stoner, Stoner, I mean, just real quick, mm-hmm. I mean, just one more thing to add to that, man. This wouldn't have happened, you know, 15 years ago when I was playing, like nope. 10 years ago when I was in the league, this would have never happened. You know, so it kind of shows you the evolution of change and evolution of the league. And, um, you know it's, it's been a lot of things have changed just been differently you know even with the whole Kaepernick thing taking the knee and then all the owners coming back you know reject retracting some of these statements they made earlier you know a lot of the statues and stuff being taken down you know that was that was racist to black people and Indians and stuff like that hell the Redskins having to change their name from the Redskins mm-hmm. to the commanders right mm-hmm. you know so it's, it's a lot of things that have started to change in this world to try to make this world I think a better place. And some things are good and some things are bad, of course. Everything ain't, you know, for everybody. But to me, I'm happy to see this change. You know, I really am. I'm super happy to see this change. I think that just because you're athletic don't mean you can't play quarterback. That's the dumbest rule I've ever heard in my life. And I'm glad they're starting to to come to their senses about it and let everybody have a a free shot at it. Amen. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I appreciate you guys' perspective on that. Obviously I can't have that same perspective that you two have. And so it's good to hear uh, that perspective from both of y'all. Now I purposely didn't really talk a whole lot. This is a game preview. I didn't really talk too much about the game. It's a preseason game, whatever. Right. But I would like to hear, uh, I'll go back to you uh, Kyrie. I'll ask you about what do you expect from, you know, just your starters, on playing on Monday night
2: against uh, the commanders at FedEx. So Wilcox and I have been kind of going back and forth on this. I I, I think I ultimately agree that we're probably not going to see Lamar Jackson. We're probably not going to see those kinds of players. And if we do, it might be for one series and then you're out of there. But yeah. the thing is, like, you've seen Lamar Jackson play football. You know what he does. You're building the chemistry in practice with the joint practices. And so I don't know that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we got to get him on the field for, uh, you know, preseason football and see how he does. Like, he's been doing this for years now. Lamar Jackson knows how, how, how to play the game for sure. Now, what I would – I do think that we'll see from the, the starters It's like, yeah, you might see like the, the second string offensive line or what have you, but I think the defense is going to be the really interesting thing to, to watch here, especially your young pass rushers, David Ajabo, Adafe Owe and a guy who's been really turning some heads down at practice, Malik Ham out there just mm. putting people on their butts yeah. on, in, in one-on-one drills and had a, a nasty spin move for a sack last week. Also, going to want to see the, the cornerback room. I'll be interested to see now that Ronald Darby has joined the team. He, he again, he's another veteran. You don't have to see him in this preseason game, but the fact that he is here, I think, puts a little bit more of a spotlight on some of those young corners who are going to be who are still fighting to kind of see who emerges and makes this team. And one guy that the Ravens got back that they really I, I think need to see you know, play a little bit more is Jalen Armour Davis, um, you know, who's going to have an opportunity to play a little bit this year. So I think the defense especially is going to be really interesting on the offensive side of the ball. I, I feel like I would like to see a little bit more Zay flowers selfishly mm. because I love this guy. He is, he's, 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 he's going to be a player. Yeah. He's going to be a player this year. He seems and sounds unguardable, particularly in one-on-one situations. You got to hold him. You got, you got to close line him to stop him from getting open on you. And the running backs, I mean, this is going to be a pretty deep stable of running backs where, you know, J.K. Dobbins, you just got him back at practice. I don't know that he's going to do anything in this game. Maybe he will just to get his legs under him. I don't know that they would play him so soon. But Justice Hill had some nice runs last week, and our guy Keaton Mitchell. Yeah, everybody loves Keaton Mitchell. Undrafted rookie out there just blowing people away. I want to see more of that. That, is, that right there, that's my appointment television for this game. Give me Keaton Mitchell.
0: <laughs> and Wilcox, let me ask you this. about um, uh, um, Kyrie talked a little bit about the joint practices with the commanders this past week. And, mm-hmm. and we as fans, we love to go and look at one play and make a real big deal about it, put it all over social media and start screaming about everything. How important is joint practices to the development of a team as opposed to a preseason game? Uh, Mentally, it it, it does wonders for the players. You know, we didn't have joint
1: practices when I played, unfortunately. But, we, Hmm. you know, we had to scrimmage against each other, you know, week in and week out. And we get tired of hitting each other, and we can't hit each other for real. You know, and it's like, I don't want to hurt this guy. He's my teammate. I need him, right? You know, but when you get a chance to have the joint practices, it actually gives you a real representation of what this guy is like versus somebody he hasn't seen. You know, you don't have to watch film on your teammates, even though you watch it every day, two, three times a day at practice, right? I mean, in meetings. But when you go out there to go to these joint practices, you get a fresh look at somebody that you haven't played against, and you have to react, your reaction becomes legitimate. So when you're watching this, and you know, I was, I was in the scouting room in Baltimore about four years ago, and I got a chance to go out and scout the tight ends and watch the defensive ends, and I had to report every day on those guys, you know? So I got a chance to go out and see it firsthand, exactly how it looks in that boardroom up tops so when all the scouts get to looking at the film and the coaches and the general managers look at that film. And they want to know who's the best player and why they're the best player and what they do good. And, and this is what you have to report on each guy. You know, you, you'll tell them that Mark Andrews had a hell of a day-to-day. You know, he had a big day-to-day, big catch, you know, 60-yard grab. And then you'll go on to all the backups and start talking about those guys as well mm-hmm. and just kind of break them down one by one. And then they, they, they honestly want to know your real opinion. What do you think about these guys, you know? Yeah. Hey, this guy's a stud. When the year I was there, it was, it was Mark Andrews and Hurst, and, and um, yeah, it was, it was it was those guys, you know. So I was telling them I thought Hurst actually was the future of the Ravens. Wow. Then, yeah. What, what did I know, right? You know, <laughs> well, I got, I
0: mean, he's been a good player. He's a, he's a heck player. of a player.
1: I didn't yeah. realize at the time, you know, when I was reviewing those guys, that he was actually older than Mark Andrews because he went to play baseball first, right? Mm. You know, then he came back to South Carolina. So I told him Mark Andrews mentally, his mental game is off the charts. You could just see it. You could tell he knew how to run away versus man. He knew how to set down versus zone. He knew how to use leverage almost better than any. It took me five years in the league to learn to do what Mark Andrews knew as a a rookie. He came in understanding leverage and understanding how to make those guys move, how to make them get off their mark, how to make them stay still and not move at all so that he could create separation and lanes for himself. And it took me about four or five years in the league to learn that. So I told him Mark Andrews is right now but Jalen Hurts is the feature because his athletic ability. And I just I saw him just surpassing, you know, what Mark Andrews was doing once he caught on to all the stuff that Mark was doing mentally. Yeah. And I mean, it was it was a phenomenal experience for me to kind of see that side of it as well, man. And it was these practices are like live games for scouts, for coaches, for everyone in that organization that has to sit back and watch film. So they don't really need to see their starters in the game because yeah. they've already seen their starters against their ones already. Yeah, they know what it looked like for real.
0: So, exactly. and speaking of starters, Wilcox, did, were you surprised that Sam Howell was named starter for the Commanders?
1: No, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not right. at all, not at all, not yeah. at all. It's, I mean, it's, you know, change is good. You know, I, I really do believe that from the top, from the bottom of my heart. You know, change is good. Sometimes you got to get somebody fresh in there to come in to play, and and they'll do some, they'll do some things that you were not expecting, and then they'll mm-hmm. continue to show you. Exactly why you brought him in in the first place.
0: And, and Kyrie, let me ask you kind of the same thing. Were you surprised that, uh, like some people seem to be, although everybody in Washington knew this since uh, since the end of last season, but were you surprised as a Ravens guy that Sam Howell was named the starter?
2: Not at all. And I think that especially when it comes to to you know veteran players, right? When they see somebody like Jacoby Brissett, guy who's been in the league for a little while, he started games and proven that he's a you know can be a competent starter. I mean, maybe not somebody that you want to have starting all your games, but somebody who can who can win a game for you in a pinch and can play competent football. And then you've got you know this young kid that you know, you haven't seen as much of, I think that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, veterans are more like, oh, like, I don't know, like, who's who's this guy? I'm kind of surprised it's not Brissette and that, like, maybe you make the switch later on. But mm. I think, yeah, when you, when you look at what the reality is of what the commanders are right now, I mean, you need to find out what you got in Sam Howell. And 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 it, it, you got you got to give him that opportunity to to learn to make his mistakes because ultimately we know Jacoby Brissett again he's he's, he's an NFL football player you know he, mm-hmm. he he's capable but he's been a backup quarterback for a really long time you know kind of more of a spot starter so yep. you need to find out if Sam Howell is more than that and if he is great then you yep. got yourself a starting caliber quarterback in the fifth round if he's right. not it well. If he's not it, sure. then that means your team's probably not very good, and that means you could set yourself up pretty nicely for uh, next year's quarterback draft, which is going to have some studs up at the top. But sure. ultimately, you've got to find out one way or another. And, I mean, again, everybody loves Jacoby Brissett. He's a good guy, good teammate, clearly can play in this league. But it doesn't serve you to start Jacoby Brissett when you've got a guy who you got to find out you know, what he can do.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, also, this thing is all about consistency as well. You know, so, you know, if if, if one guy is not consistent and the other guy do, does things more consistently than the other, then you'll ride the more consistent guy out. He might not have better measurables or anything like that, right? You know, but he's more consistent. And he doesn't make mistakes, and he picks up on those hot reads a lot better than the other kid. And, you know, one thing
0: leads to another. Now somebody kind of edges somebody out until they start making mistakes. All right, Wilcox, last question here. Do but, the Commanders uh, end the Ravens' magical no. twenty-four game preseason streak? No, no. <laughs> no. Wow, that was. I was expecting like, oh, maybe. No, it's not happening. No,
1: I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think the Ravens players, you know, they're they're always hungry, and it's 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 kind of it's in the walls at that place. When you go to the castle, when you walk into on center, it's kind of in the walls. You know, mm-hmm. you walk in and you you feel special, you feel different. And I like I played on three or four teams before I got to Baltimore. And um, when I got there, it, w- it was different. The light came on for me there, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like I think that happens for a lot of young guys and a lot of guys that come in. There's so much nostalgia there, and you walk through those hallways and you you talk to those guys, and then we show up at practice every now and then, and like, oh my God, that's T. Cells. Oh, that's Henry. Oh, that's Ed, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's Ray Lewis. Oh, that's Jonathan. You know, so I mean, yeah. you you there's so much nostalgia there that I think those guys, it, I think it just kind of pours into you it just really pours into you. You go to the cafeteria and Manny's still making the eggs for you. You know, Manny, mm-hmm. can I get some eggs? Manny, like, wow. yeah. I got eggs Manny's for you still there. Up. Manny's still there, you know? <laughs> and yeah. and it's important, man. Like those things are, are, are it's, it's one of those organizations where people just stay forever. Like I went back to, like I said, I went back, I was in the player personnel department four years ago and almost everybody that worked behind the scenes are all still there. They just moved up in rank. And yeah. it's just, to me, it's one of those places where, you know, you go and you get better and you know, guys come there and they extend their career. I mean, we got Trevor Price, we got Steve McNair, and they always like, bro, I could stay here for another three or four years. I love it. You know, Trevor Price is like, bro, this is great. You know, and this, this was this was back when we still had two or three days in training camp. You mm-hmm. know, you know, and they was like, bro, this is phenomenal. You know, so it's it's one of those things where they're gonna play to the end of the game. All right, so if you're not if you're not ready to come play all sixty minutes of that game. Yeah. They're gonna play to the end, no matter what. You better be prepared to play, and you better bring your heart hat because they're gonna bring out their blue collar workers and they're gonna outwork you if you let them.
0: Uh, all right, Kyrie, tell me, tell me, we got a shot Monday night.
2: I mean, look, it's preseason, so look, every everybody, everybody's always got a shot, especially when you got backups. But I'm gonna tell you this, man, I feel like the Ravens. You think they don't know they've won twenty-four straight games in the preseason? They're yeah. not trying to lose. They 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 are gonna they're gonna wanna keep that intact. It's so interesting, right? Cause you know, we're always told preseason doesn't really count. It doesn't really matter. Well, I bet you it matters to the people who that the dudes who are gonna be out there and they don't wanna be the ones to to you know be the ones who let that streak in. You know what I mean? So I think the Ravens are gonna come out there and do their thing.
0: Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time. I know we went. Hold on, Stoner. Longer. Hold on, Stoner. Hold Dick,
1: on, Stoner. Hold
2: you're,
0: you're not off the hook. You're not oh, off the hook. Oh, yeah, you're not Uh-oh. off the hook. What I, do you think, Stoner?
1: Uh, hey. i tell you what's going to happen
0: Baltimore going to go into their into the castle, Uh-oh. into one of those rooms, and in they're into the trophy rooms, and they're going to put up this really nice plaque up there. And it's going to say, our, one of our best accomplishments 24 games in a row in the preseason. <laughs> Not 25, not anything beyond that. It's going to say 24. And then a little blurb right underneath it. Washington oh, Commanders broke the streak on oh, August, goodness. what is it, 19, 20, 21st, 2023 at FedEx on Monday Night Football. Oh,
1: I can give you that. This, this is battle the the ways. So if <laughs> is anything is going to happen, it got to happen yep. during Battle of the Beltways because Washington take this game serious too. So we'll see what happens, Stoner. I'm not gonna say you were stoned when you said that because I think he was good. <laughs> yeah, I right, appreciate right,
0: yeah, yeah. And I pre- again, I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time here to uh, talk with us here in ref the district. Uh, we're all in the Believe in Network or the Believe Network. I always say Believe in. We're in the Believe Network, and uh, so I appreciate that's uh, Kyrie Thompson and that's former uh, NFL tight end. Daniel Wilcox here, joining us on Rep the District for our preview of Commanders versus Ravens. And until next time, be a fan.